I've been playing some Overwatch. You know what's in Overwatch? In Overwatch, I imagine there's uh, some a colorful cast of characters. There's a gorilla. There's a gorilla with a tes- Tesla gun or something. Yeah, and what is a tels- Tesla gun? A Tesla gun is well, a type of tech. It's well, Tesla technology, coil technology, is uh, a sort of technology that could uh, that kind of is like a technical innovation that represents uh, progressive developments within a field for competitive advantage. What? In other words, I would say it's a list. I would say it's a. Uh, that's one of them emerging technologies. It's an emerging technology. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, I got an idea. You know what we should cover this week? I think we should go to this Wikipedia page that I just happen to have open, called "List of Emerging Technologies." I'm right there with you. That's right. This like week that. on episode 236, by my count, it might be off. We're gonna cover the list of emerging technologies. Uh, I think 16 by my count. But We're gonna you walk might, you yeah. through a few select entries. And hopefully, as we do every week, together we can learn, become more globally aware people of some technology that you might have in your own home one day. I'm kind of think of uh, how we can apply these to our daily lives. Let's see where we can, because I feel like, you know, a lot of these technologies are made by like, you know. They're like the brains, you know, the kind of like smarty smarts number crunching guys. Oh, but they're, we're like, they're them thinker you know, types. I think, I think we're the, those, uh, we're the creator guys. We're going to make some marketability for some of these things, I think. We really are. I think they come really up with here. a big idea and we go, but how do we get this into the hands of the people? How do we sell this? How do we make money? Before we get into it, I'm going to drop that, drop them hot ads again. This time for a podcast called The Bro C, where they, I believe, I believe they break down the OC in this one. <laughs> you know from what I remember reading about it uh, on the list. So that's a show I've never listened to. But according to this, it looks like they're on season two right now. Um, Are they? <laughs> I, yeah, I support this. I mean, Katie, John, Tyler, Alex, love the great guys. Give them a follow on Twitter. They're hilarious. Sean, run the ad. Do you like teen dramas? Do you like teens? Do you like watching TV shows? If you do, you might like watching The O.C. So give it a try and you can listen to us in podcast form on The Bro We talk about flip phones. We talk about tube tops. We talk about things from the early 2000s. We talk about people smooching other people. Ooh, and great, great music. Yep. So hey, listen to us on iTunes or SoundCloud here on the Nerdist School Network. The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit NerdistSchool.com. That's a great ad. Typical Katie, John, Tyler, and Alex. That's the bro seed so running down that show that had a great Saturday Night Live skit made out of it. I just, I mean, I do like season two, episode two is called The Way We Were or Masturbation Contest. Really? Yeah. Are you improving right now? They have a, really no, they have, a, they have a great website, actually. <laughs> How's our website coming, Sean? Uh, homebrewcomedy.com <laughs> looks great. Site this podcast doesn't really have because we've got a landing page to our uh, it goes to our iTunes. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. go straight to the straight to the source. We don't. I'm not bullshitting you here. Send you right to the right to the nitty gritty. <laughs> we don't need fancy gifts yeah. and yeah. words. No, <laughs> we give you what you want. Watch some some fun videos while you're at it over there. Listen to the site of this podcast as you're doing right now. Subscribe on iTunes, or we'll hit you with. An airless tire. 
All right, let's get into the meat of this. Let's get into the meat of this episode. We want to tell you about some emerging technology. Sean, start us off. So I like this because the um, <laughs> the most like, I guess the most developed one, or that's in like the public eye. Uh, so airless tires. It, obviously, it is what it sounds like. It utilizes like spokes or sponge effects or various other composite materials to absorb the shock uh, that the uh, tire with air would normally, um, but without having to be filled with air and they don't pop or pop, uh, pop. wear down quite as easily. And that, that's like the point, but I liked it mostly because uh, Michelin made one. And it's like one of the first significant advantages uh, in this technology, and they called it the Tweel. I did. I noticed this tire I, wheel. I do like, and that name. I really like this because the Tweel. It was like kind of a fail because it can't really work for car any car driving over like fifty miles an hour. Well, um, I, when what? No, but here, okay. I like it because they kind of like on the side found out that it's way better at uh absorbing mind blasts (laughs) so like this stupid thing called the twill that you can't really even drive on military took it and like let's see what we can do with this bad boy and turns out you can drive over mines way easier if some of the spokes and shit gets blown out of it it's still a lot of it like off you know it's way more durable and it can keep going it's not just straight up popped it's better to have this tire like break apart than it is for you know to the be completely entire, popped. yeah my, like the entire thing to oh you mean for like completely vehicle. destroyed and right resulting in you know death yeah. and whatnot yeah so i found that extremely interesting but anyways back to just that's the just concept an, of airless I mean, tires example um, of pivoting i, I like that's, that that was kind of like one to start us off there's i've seen like a lot of these going around especially on concept cars which i fucking love looking at I love. I do like. I'll go to the especially Toyotas. Toyota has they're wonky. Toyota has great ones, and it's just like we just threw some shit at the wall. Like we're like, hey, what if it was three different pieces, and you could kind of just move them to the side a little bit? (laughs) It's like they have their wheel wells like separated from the main body, and it's like, what does that do for the car? Or like, there's like two of the wheels are kind of jutting out and on the side, and there's like a, a the carriage for the person, and it's like one little. It basically fits a <laughs> one body and two two of the wheels are skewered way outside of it. It makes no sense, but it's just like, they usually attach a blue light to it. it. Makes it look fucking cool. It really like all of the pictures look like they're from like 1980s science fiction movie like yeah. magazines. Everything's really purple and like chrome and just gleaming. <laughs> Anyways, that's why I see hairless tires <laughs> a lot. So anyway, uh, yeah. I don't like that the I feel like the Michelin man is he supposed to be like a sentient bunch Stack of, of tires? tires? Yeah. He looks nothing like it. He's no, he's white. white. It doesn't make any sense. There's the black Michelin man. Yeah, dude, they're whitewashing. They're whitewashing. Typical Hollywood whitewashing. Whitewashing the tire, the tire hive mind. I have a think piece to write. <laughs> Do you want to go with one? I can go with another shorter one. Because uh, yeah, you go with it. another one. Mine are. Uh, Bit uh, lengthier, I guess. I guess. Yeah, sure. Okay. I really like that we have or are building, or I guess you could say it's an emerging technology, electronic noses. I saw this and I thought to myself, what? what 
Go, go on. Because my favorite thing is that I saw that electronic noses can help detect cancer. And I like this because it sounds like on the schoolyard where you're like, hey, hey. smell your <laughs> knee. It smells like peanut butter. You got cancer. And you smash their face into the knee and yes. it breaks their nose. But with electronic noses, smelling your lung to see if it smells like peanut butter, that means you have cancer, could become a reality. Well, that's weird because I guess like that just kind of uh, just reminds me that I think I hear things about like, can't dogs like detect seizures like before they happen and they i think they can train dogs even to like sniff out some of these like uh medical conditions and that just reminds me of a i say here as i'm petting a dog who's just staring at me with the cutest eyes um and that reminds me that i've read that essentially dogs because their noses are so good they they kind of have like a sixth sense where they can walk into a room and be able to essentially see everything in that room that's happened for the past like hours or so or something like that. I can't remember what they Yeah, but it's like because they can tell like who's been in the room, where they went in the room, right? like when they left versus like someone else. It'd be essentially if we could see like the light trails left by people. And so at first I was like, electronic knows that's stupid. Then I was like, if they could somehow tune it to this, they're like, let's see let's smell into the past well that's the thing is what i also love about this is i think with a lot of like futuristic shows and stuff there's like cybernetic either like eyes or robot arms or someone's got cyber legs but the closest that we are to arming our police task force with like a prosthetic for crime solving is the nose because like actually here it has like for a lot of things detecting odorless uh, gases yeah. and materials and stuff like that. So, like detecting things without odors, um, detecting drugs, detecting drug odors, even though after they've been like mixed up with a different odor, okay, to, like yeah. confuse the the police. Like if they're raiding a place, and it's like, oh, it doesn't <laughs> smell like cocaine. I don't know, whatever the fuck, it doesn't smell like crack smoke. And like they can they use their robot noses to. Uh, you mean they'll that. be able to tell when college students take a hit from a bong and blow it through a cardboard tube <laughs> with a Febreze on the end? Yeah. <laughs> That's the technology we're achieving here. Oh, my God. And then they'll be able to use it to uh, detect bombs. That's yeah. another use of it. Well, that's um, like, I mean, that's, again, that's dogs right now. But wait, are, does that... But, like, what... Like, are I'm we thinking, stealing like, jobs from dogs? Yeah. That doesn't seem fair to them. They don't have rights. Kind of. Steve had a flap to say to that. Yeah, he didn't but like that. Anyways, but I, I, I love that, like, just the scientific kind of mental image or not scientific sci-fi like mental image. I'm thinking like Ghost in the Shell where it's like he's got robot eyes you can see through the walls and like she's got a robot body another guy's got a robot arm and they're all kicking ass realistically they all just have ro- robot noses and, then and they'd like, be great at their jobs so and then when you say like prosthetic or like robot nose or like I don't mean it's a robotic nose I know I know but I can't help but picture like this wonky metal nose made of like several steel plates that you just put over your regular nose that has like a couple of antenna and some lights on it i realize it won't look like that i really want it to it's just gonna be here's the thing it's just gonna be like a machine you carry around that's just sensing the air but i want it to look like a nose on a stick and that's where science is letting me down yeah you i I mean 
There's no saying that they can't make it look like a That's the thing. They, there's no reason they should. They can't. I'm thinking. So they should. You could replace noses with this. There's nothing saying we can't actually do that. But normally, it's like a remote. That's boring. Which is boring as shit. Come on, science. Get your shit together. Normally, okay. I've been hyping up the phrase electronic nose. Normally, it's like a remote that does all these things. However. I think every single one of our listeners was picturing an actual nose. And they should. Because this is where... It's an emerging technology. And I believe it's going... This could be like a kind of thing where it's like, oh, someone was in a tragic accident. And they were just an average Joe, but the only they had to get their nose replaced. And the only the only nose available was an electronic nose, and now they're the number one cop on the force. <laughs> That's where this is heading, Kyle. Jenkins, you're a madman, but damn it, the nose knows. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. But anyways, this is a lot about just rendering dogs obsolete. Except but their cuddles will never the cuddles. be obsolete. This coming ever <laughs> coming next year, electronic cuddles. We don't need dogs <laughs> anymore. Uh, all right, I'll get on to uh, one of the ones that stood out to me. It was mainly the name. Uh, this is Utility Fog. Yeah, we're like, flicked on that because I was like, that sounds so interesting. Sean and I are from. Well, he's from San Francisco. I'm from the Bay Area, Half Moon Bay. Very foggy. So I was like, I have always thought to myself, if only we could harness the power of this fog, which is absolutely not at all what this thing is. But, you know, we like fog. We're like, that's how you get that's how you get it. to these articles. So uh, uh, utility fog coined by Dr. John Storrs Hall in 1993. Thank you, Dr. Hall. Utility fog is a collection of tiny robots that can replicate a physical structure. Hal first came up with the idea of these microscopic robots, which are about 100 micrometers across. So like tiny microscopic uh, as a replacement for seat belts. And so the way they work as seat belts is they would be in a free floating formation. And then in the event of a collision, they would use their 12 arms. They got 12 arms. They're like little balls with just kind of Wait, sticks. So where are the balls in this They are floating. They They're just floating, floating around your car. They're floating. Are these like super tiny or are they like microsco- full? They're okay. microscopic. And there's like thousands of them. There's, yeah. Okay. Millions or millions. Either. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, and so they're just kind of floating around you. And then the event of collision, they stick out these little like arms, which kind of look like the um, plastic grabbers that you can get for like <laughs> yeah. $4. <laughs> like I can't reach the remote. There we go. It just has 12 of those sticking out. And then it would do, they would all grab onto each other and constrict the passenger. And so. And that would then spread the uh, force of the impact instead of just putting it across your chest like a normal seatbelt does. It would put it all over your body. And so it would make it like, you know, relatively safer. Um, and so each of these foglets, they're called foglets, by the way. Great name. Because why wouldn't you have to try to market this, right? Uh, Collect them all. Foglets. <clears throat> So they'd be able to share both information and energy with each other and would have substantial computing power. But then again, this is all of this in a 100 micrometer shell. So I this was where I started being like, I understand nanotechnology is going to be a thing. Yeah. How is this going to work, though? Because this even it has like mechanical elements where it, like I said, has to like grab onto other ones physically. Yeah. Um, but it just kind of reminded me of like 
those old pictures you see from like 1902 where it's like here's what life will be like in the year 1952 and it's like there's flying cards or bot maids <laughs> and like all the other the uh, firefighters have vampire wings yeah and all the other out. jetsons technology yeah. um and so when i read that it was kind of just more like a oh, this is, this is kind of a cool idea. And so I'm like, Dr. Hall, you're leading me on. I don't think these can actually exist. Uh, so Hall and his buddies soon realized. And Oats. You know what? For your, we'll say one of them was probably named Oats. So Hall and his buddies, one of which was Oats, uh, soon realized. When I, The article said they soon realized. I'm not sure how the phrase soon realized here when they're the ones coming up with this it's stuff. It's Wikipedia phrasing. They're just, it's That's like, very much Wikipedia phrasing. It's like, wait a minute. With this thing that we just came up with, here's another way. I don't know. It was I was just kind of confused about it's like Soon realize is probably Wikipedia talk for after three more years of experimentation. They didn't even experiment. This is all theoretical. Oh, okay. They didn't actually build well, any of this. Okay. <laughs> or not experimentation. I guess I meant like data in analyzing what you're going to. Fair. Like theory. Anyway, continue. Anyway, they realized that the fog could be manufactured in mass to occupy the entire atmosphere of a planet. That's phrased as a. I mean, that phrase alone is going to be is a little terrifying now in and of itself, but Dyson it's going to yeah, it's going to come up in just a sec. Uh, and they realized that it could be used to replace any physical object necessary for human life. Uh, this could include them exerting force and being able to carry objects and people from place to place. Mind you, these things are microscopic, so feasibly they could be. It could just look like you're floating around. Like mm, if you just got. But like, I mean, does this is this because they have the strength for if to could. be that small and to lift up or is it because there's like millions and you're just gonna see a black fog under i a guess i guess that but if they did if they played their cards right it could be like just under your feet and just be like floating through the air you don't have to be necessarily be like surrounded by them right these are the things i was thinking of uh and they realized they, they could construct and deconstruct cities in moments to like pop up wherever they needed them or like you know any habitation um, and then and so, Hall murdered the rest of his team and became a supervillain. Well, well, this was event. This could uh, he theorized that this could eventually lead up to replacing the need for biological bodies. <laughs> so you know, just I guess you just have loading, a utility fog around your brain, loading doing a whatever brain, you want. Yeah. like the information of a brain onto <laughs> this shared collection of machines, and just being able to <laughs> appear, <laughs> disappear, <laughs> take on time. any form. Which, oh my god, like, you want to talk about utility, there we go. Uh, they came to, st- they ca- it came to be known as the machine of the future, and I'm like, yeah, it's the future, because, you know, it's going to exist in... Never. I don't, <laughs> I, I can't even think of a feasible timetable for this. But so it was like, it seemed to be, like, very, like, idealistic, yeah. like, because it's not like they could come up with a prototype and if they wanted to they could just be like here's one I was like where is it oh I can't <laughs> see it we need 10 million billion dollars to fund the rest of them alright so then this sentence really stood out to me it was uh, the Foglet's bodies <laughs> once again Foglet's the Foglet's bodies would be made of aluminum oxide rather than combustible diamond to avoid creating a fuel air explosive a fuel air explosive that, mind you, covered the entire atmosphere of the planet. Yeah. So it would just. So this just makes me think everything. that, like, Hall and his friends, Red Oats, uh, were just like a bunch of wannabe supervillains who were just trying to come up with, like, the most diabolical plan or, like, the ability to hold the world, the entire world hostage at once. 
Um, and then I like imagine there's like one guy who's like at the meeting and was like, "Hey, well, if we use diamond, that's." That's gonna be a fuel. Like it could explode the planet. Everyone's just like, "God damn it!" Like, possible, no. possible deniability. <laughs> and then it's like they couldn't go through their plans, and so I imagine yeah. they would just be all pissed off. Not that they would ever be able to go through with their plans, because again, I really doubt. And then they're like, "Well, I guess just. we can still make seat belts." Yeah, you know, they're like, "Oh well, if I guess we can go and save lives." Um, this is pretty anime. It does seem to be like, like I feel like this is like. I'm fabricating my sword out of thin air. This was like Nothing the most. Personal, kid. I think this was like the most sci-fi thing I this saw. It's definitely the most super villainous. Absolutely. Like yeah. a, any, yeah. I mean, this is like anything with like micro nano robotics always is, kind of makes me think of like the Big Hero Six type villain. Yeah. Which is like that's not the first time it's ever been done, but like that's the best example I think. And just like this giant fog of nanobots. You know, yeah, they're talking about like, oh, create anything. Well, we can create buildings to house refugees. And it's like, you know, Will you though? you're going to build weapons. You're gonna, Let's be honest here. You're going to yeah. use it to tear down buildings and just You're going to use it to turn it. yourself into a gigantic monster. <laughs> you're going to use it to fly soldiers in and out of the countries super quickly. Uh, then, like, you know, that being said, I assume there's like some sort of memo that goes around the Pentagon every once in a while that's just like, guys, is it time for explosive foglets? Because, listen, we could just throw some of those above a country and then we have, like, a quick and easy way to, like, you know, take anybody out. Because I feel like with every technology, it's pretty much the military's going to come in and find a way to use right. it yeah. to, quote, defend our nation. Yeah. That's... Otherwise, like, hurt others. <laughs> hurt people yeah it's pretty much it i mean that's why like every a lot of these mm, a lot of these on the emerging technologies list are forms of propulsion or uh some sort of construction or like the idea is for like construction so it's either a material or some kind of method of uh like futuristic construction lightweight super durable type stuff like that but it always just comes down to like once you click like one page in, it's like military, yeah, plasma military gun, rail gun, electromagnetic guns, coil guns, like, and then with the, with like materials and construction stuff, it's like, oh, and this could like create a gigantic, you know, mega city of lightweight blah, blah, blahs, or everyone could live in harmony and then like click the next page. And it's like, it's also going to replace Kevlar. Yeah. And then like, <laughs> you even go to like neuroscience and it's like, ooh, electro electroencephalography and it's like ooh it's like you can control electro de- electric devices via your brain waves and it's like oh well you can use that for keyboards and then it's like the military's like or you can use it to like, drive tanks around with no one in it <laughs> one thing i like uh, just tying back to the our, one we were on the uh, utility fog is so this is like related to nanorobotics swarm robotics etc um and i saw that one of the like uh, something a lot of people use for practicing swarm robotics is like repurposed Roombas and like iRobot is the Roomba company, but they also are like <laughs> secretly a swarm robotics company. <laughs> so it's like one, kind of fucking weird. They're the ones that you see, like you'll see a room full of like those little, little, essentially little drones, which are just, what is that other than utility fog on a bigger scale? Yeah. Just you, like, and like seeing like, oh, the drones know where each other are. 
Yeah. So that they can like maneuver properly and form complex shapes. Yeah, they form complex shapes or it's like they one of them identifies a behavior of the environment or something and then it like relays the message to all of them. It's just like hive mind learning swarm robotics and it's this is just like very sci-fi of like oh the something something like I don't know petroleum company and then it's like <laughs> behind it search like you're creating swarm robots that are gonna take over the world. And you know now that you bring Damn up, you I Roomba now that you bring up that example of like like bringing that in where it's like oh well, they're actually like we do have examples of like these tiny little drones that are like you know once again yeah. you can see them so yeah. they're are not the ones in relatively the world are, not that small. Are, I think there are like a couple <clears throat> examples of nano robots like right like actual but not they're like role useless. I, I feel like yeah. If I am correct in my I don't yeah they're like knowledge. not as complex as like I feel like they it's have to be man, for utility yeah, like fog a nano to be robot a thing. at this stage is like a little piece of metal with like a leg yeah and like a circuit kind of thing yeah but it's i mean which is like cool but it's not it ain't making a seat belt out yeah because this air. thing has the little utility fog like extending its 12 arms and like suck and like sucking back in so i feel like that's pretty complex yeah. for now because now that because once you brought up the drones flying information when i'm like oh right in 1993 they had no idea that would be a thing one thing I would say about like swarm robotics is a lot of this is a lot of the research seems to be based on just scaling it all down. So it's like it's this is kind of like is this going to be like how computers or like memory cards were 50 years ago? Yeah, where I think it huge is. Yeah. Now and it's like, oh, well this is just this big clunky thing and then like by the time we're like seventy-five, we're gonna have like actual fucking nanobots all oh, over. Oh man, they're gonna hear me say this. They're gonna be listening. We're gonna have our utility fog overlord, fog, f- fog, f- fog lord, foglets. I'm foglet trying to think overlord. of like what the foglet overlord would be named. He's gonna be like downloading all of human information, and he's gonna just stop, and he's gonna be like. Who is this Kyle? And why was he talking shit about me? <laughs> My other favorite technology that I want to see scaled down while we're still alive. Dogs. Well, this one I don't know if I want to see scaled. Dogs have been definitely scaled down. We have very small dogs. Um, <laughs> I guess I don't want to see swarm robots Cars. scaled down in my lifetime, actually. I'd rather not, probably. Um, but What if you scale down the swarm itself? There's so. like giant... You've seen those or heard of those like giant... This is not from our Wikipedia list. This is just something else. But it's like those big machines that will have like a plasma rod that is like, it's essentially like a thing that can create a lightsaber, but right now it's like the size of a room. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Computers are now the size of fits in our hands. Eventually we'll be able to put that in a hilt. Mm-hmm. Once again, it's that, possible. that brings up the whole thing of lightsaber. Not that no useful one, of no a one weapon. No one needs one, but... I'll, I'd take one. When's it ever going to anyway. be like, hey, would you rather have this advanced rifle or a lightsaber? Speaking. What's going to be technology. more useful for you? Speaking of Star Wars technology, this one will be even more useful. Seems, I guess, kind of realistic because. Mm, it's not completely <clears throat> bullshit. Yeah, it's very small right now. Like every example right now um, is apparently 
the volume is super small. So testing it bigger and bigger, I, I don't know how it's... We'll see if it's possible, science, but it's called the plasma window. Oh, I saw this, yeah. Yeah. And so basically, it's um, plasma that, as heated, becomes increasingly viscous. How do you pronounce that? Is that viscous? viscous? Thickness? Right. Okay. So when it's heated, its viscosity allows it to separate gas from a total vacuum, which essentially is like a Star Wars window. Like in the hangars? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I got it. So got there's it, a total it. vacuum, and it's like a window, but it's like I this see. sheet of plasma. Um, I'm just imagining it's see-through like Star Wars. Yeah. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's completely opaque, but I like to imagine it is, so don't ruin this for me. But anyways, so it also would allow certain radiation lasers in beams to pass through. Hello, Star Wars. That you is can very, keep shooting. Is very Star Wars. This is very Battlefront too, man. You can keep shooting your enemies as you're inside behind the behind your plasma window. Um, I thought it was super badass. This just reminds me of like every sci-fi um, ship that has like different parts of like, or like when you're passing through from like the main ship and then the, mm-hmm. You know, one door goes up, and then there's, like, beam window yeah. <laughs> that somehow keeps shit out. Like, that's, like, what this is. I, <laughs> I do, like, on this Wikipedia page, the first thing is the plasma window. Not to be confused confused with a plasma shield. Like, I like how that's they are like, we have to tackle this, because it's not this other it's fake not, yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, so going off what you said, it's a, the uh, only limit to the window size is the amount of energy you need to create it. A window needs 20 kilowatts for every of energy for every inch of size. Yeah. That is... That's, they're like... Yeah, that's insane. They've only done, like, super small versions, I guess, of it. You just have, like, like a half inch by half inch square just to show it off in your house. Just to be able to, like, shoot lasers <laughs> through it. You have, like, a laser pointer and be like, guys, pew, pew, pew. Like, that's just, a, that's just a little hole. And you're like, you think that, but it's not. Because it's costing me a shit ton of electric bills. <laughs> Costing me five thousand dollars a month. Oh, you can make them different colors by using so different the, gases. Can you? Ooh, that's fucking badass. Oh, connect it to your Alexa. Right, Alexa, turn my super expensive turn invisible into, window uh, green. Yeah, turn it into xenon today. I like how this is like such a far off concept that we're just like I don't fucking know yeah, what this. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't for. even matter. It's science like, or something. Do it. For, yeah. Do it with some other science shit. Plasma window. I want one. I want to replace my windows with plasma windows. I don't imagine they keep out noise very well, but hey. That just sent me to uh, the Wikipedia page for plasma weapon, which is a, obviously a type of ray gun that fires streams, bolts, or pulses of or torrids of plasma. <laughs> I'm just like, that's so, that's so cool. <laughs> Why haven't you bought me one yet? In some fictions, like Star Wars, plasma is highly effective against mechanical targets such as droids. I don't know why that had to be in the first paragraph. Over time, I'm kind of learning the layout of a good Wikipedia page, and that should have been <laughs> saved for in the in popular culture section. It, most definitely. Speaking of Star Wars and popular culture, do you see the solar sail? I've heard of them. It basically looks like, <clears throat> oh, this isn't one that I'm getting super into, but it looks like Count Dooku's. Yeah. Thingy. That's exactly what and it was. And I think yeah. that's what it's supposed I, to be. I think that it was It has called. to do with, like, uh, 
so using radiation from like sunlight and i guess he's like relatively close in this it was just when he's flying around and so it's like per another one of the websites that we'll go to on this wikipedia based podcast this is uh via wikipedia it is just called dooku solar sail yeah it's a heavily modified pun work in 116 class interstellar sloop. The, th- the theory behind it is that you could propel a spacecraft using the pressure from radiation from sunlight. So, like, that's the force propelling the mirror. Yeah. Like a sailboat, which, like, despite, I guess, like, that would work, but it feels like it would be, like, the slowest spacecraft. Yeah. And be just kind of jetting around like Count Dooku. It would be like <laughs> very slowly gaining. All these ships are going by like kind using like, like plasma. My other. Like the, jet engines. Yeah. That's like, like, um, that's like the spaceship that this is like a theoretical ship that like does kind of work, but it's not possible that I pretty sure NASA like this is like an actual NASA thing. But the uh, like ion engines that shoot out like an ion at a time yeah. and slowly build up speed over like a week and then mm-hmm. you're finally cruising. It's like, oh, we'll get there eventually. We got to shoot out 5 million more ions before we hit 60 miles an hour. But there's no inertia in space, so we just keep going faster That's and true. faster and faster. Do you got another one? Uh, yeah, we can go. So we're going to be uh, drifting away right now from more of the technology-based ones. Still emerging technology, but this is more in the medical field. Um, this is, we're going to take a look at uh, head transplants. What? <laughs> so right off the bat, this sounds like a completely bonkers idea. And it's like the sort of thing you would only ever hear about in science fiction. And like, in fact, this entry has a in science fiction section that takes up like most of the article. And so you're like, oh, well, this is even close to possible. And if it is, it's like, it's never going to happen. And you're wrong. Because this type of procedure has been around and has been the focus of experimental surgeries since around 1900. And this is like, you know, at this 1900? point. 1900? 1900. I think the first one I'm going to mention is 1908. And this is like, at this point, like, doctors didn't even realize, I don't remember when germ theory came about. It was kind of like, ah, gee, should we wash? Do we have to wash our hands before yeah. surgery? No, nah, we're fine. We tried to like replace a head, but they're like, let's slap this head onto a different body. Should work. So, in 1908, uh, Alexis Carell, a French surgeon, teamed up with Charles Guthrie, an American, God bless America, uh, to attempt to graft the head of one dog onto the body of another, creating, oh creating two. I think. According to my math, that is a two-headed dog. Uh, the grafted head showed some reflexes early on, uh, but deteriorated oh quickly, God. which, you know, shouldn't be surprising. Because it's... Uh, like and the animal was killed after a few hours. Now, I assume this was, like, put it out of its misery. But also, I hope they realize that this thing was just an affront to God. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, Jesus oh, Christ. God, it has to die. Yeah. Uh, later on, And then later on, Carell would... Uh, Get a Nobel Prize as a result of other research. Don't award him for this. Other, Don't it was, encourage it was, him for this. It was for other research on organ and transplantation because these doctors that I mentioned, it wasn't their only thing. They weren't. They didn't wake up one day and they're like, not. "Here's what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life." <laughs> they focused on Cut organ transplantation heads. and eventually they kind of get to it, but they still made other advances in the field. And so he did get a Nobel Prize eventually on organ transplantation. 
But Guthrie ended up being excluded because of controversial work on the head transplantation, which is kind of bullshit because it's from the way the uh, article makes it sound. It sounds like it was Carell's idea. Yeah. And he got Guthrie to do it with him and then was like, I I didn't do anything. This Guthrie's a monster. It was it was a Guthrie man. It was all him. It was the American. So, you know, just passing the blame. Uh, and so that was 1908. Uh, 1954 was when the next big step happened. Oh, God. Uh, Soviet step. <laughs> Soviet surgeon Vladimir Demikov, because, of course, it's this, this is the Soviets. Yeah. They're like, I we put have, my head on monkeys. We must find some way to get past American science. Americans have attached the dog head to other dog, and then it he slightly looked, worked. Then he looks over at, like, uh, fuck, what's that? The dog that went into space. <laughs> Laika. Laika. And it's just like, it was like, like a dog. But two heads. Is two heads better than one? Yes, gets to space faster, can control instruments. Uh, so he performed an experiment in which he grafted the head, and here's where he did something different. He grafted the entire upper body. So this includes the front legs onto another dog. And like when you picture it, oh it's really sad, but also kind of funny because I just always imagine that because he it lived for. These dogs usually survive for a few days. One of them survived oh 29 days. Poor bastard. And they usually died because of like um, transplant rejection, which was like, obviously you yeah. can't just do it, but it's not like it, it worked. But this isn't even like, I like, these aren't even like testing like something, some like good medical application. It's just like, what if we put dog on the other dog? I guess. I guess what if we put head on dog? Make to a certain extent. Dog? Over time, they were kind of like perfecting their craft. Like I was like, "Oh, well, let's of murdering live dogs and sewing <laughs> them onto other dogs." That was that was their side effect. But I think a part of it was like, "Hey, let's take a look at like the vascular system and like making sure everything is connected correctly, trying to incorporate the nervous system into it." Um, but also, this poor dog that you know when you hold a dog above water and it thinks it's about to go in the water, so it's just doing the little doggy yeah. paddle. Like into Steve nothingness. I, I just kind of imagine that's what this head and front legs of the dog was doing, just sticking off the side of the other dog. <laughs> just like paws, just like pawing at the air, but not actually hitting the ground. Don't make it more sad. Um, that's what we so, have fucking mice for, Russia. God damn it. Oh, don't we learn to use mice later on? <laughs> Eventually. In the 80s. So uh, over time, different surgeons would look into the idea of head transplants more just I think because it was like the zenith of like organ transplant like it was like well if we can kind of like connect the entire head and brain there's nothing we can't do like if you can get an entire head and brain to live on another human you can get a liver to live inside it um, but I think most people realize that they shouldn't be complete monsters <laughs> and so they should stop doing this to dogs just grow ears on the backs of mice like normal well scientists. most people got these this memo of let's not be monsters but Robert White uh, in 1965, performed a series of experiments, which was an attempt to graft just the vascular system of one dog brain onto another dog. Uh, after achieving moderate success here, and it's moderate if our measurement is that the animal survived between six hours and two days, uh, he decided, hey, what makes more sense than experimenting on these dogs? Let's move up to monkeys. So in 1970, he performed four experiments that involved cutting the head off of one monkey and connecting the blood vessels of another monkey head to it. So now you have just a monkey. I imagine 
medical tubing or something connecting its head to just the decapitated head of another monkey. What the fuck? <laughs> so, so there. Like this is in like 1970. Like. And like this, so this wasn't all right. This was an attempt to connect the nervous system, but I mean, all in all, it's still cutting the fucking monkey's head off. Yeah. Uh, so it turns out the heads were amazingly able to function, which involved tracking objects with their eyes, in addition to chewing and swallowing. Once again, though, it's a decapitated head, so when it swallowed, I can only imagine it, it just, just like followed. fell through. Yeah. And okay, I'm. Oh my god. <laughs> regardless, these monkeys only survived between six hours and three days. Being well, a how fucking crazy head. would it be if the three days one was... Be- oh, wait, no. Was the head because, and not the regular monkey? Because it was like, they can't drink. How wild would that be? Uh, but then, luckily, <laughs> these experiments were reported to the media and animal activists. And uh, I, I imagine just like the general public yeah. uh, were against the experiments continuing. And so that ended like live testing, but... Try and get the try and try and pull that today. Get the but, Twitter mob on you. You know there are a few mice here and there, like that dentist. You know, can't make an omelet without cutting a few mice's heads off. Yeah, is this and still a thing that people are it, like? We should try and put yes. second heads on things. Yes and no. I know there's doc. There's uh, one doctor, Sergio Conavero, who uh, believes that we could technically perform a successful head transplant with our current technology. And I thought I heard somewhere that there were weird, there were some plans to try to do one this year or next year, but I couldn't find, remember what it was. But so what's holding it back nowadays is mainly just people, luck, hope, thank God it's people just being like, no, that's so fucked up. Don't do that. <laughs> um, but then there are, there are groups that are just like, well, I do it. And then they're like, no, but don't because look at it from a utilitarian point of view. It makes sense to use a body that's been donated to science and like is right. like an organ donor. Use those organs instead of being like, well, let's slap a new head on this one. Get it out the door. Uh, but it seems to be that uh, popular opinion is the driving force behind this not happening. As it should. <laughs> as it should. Because this. I'm still confused as to, as to what like the actual medical application if any, I think it's like if the body of a patient is like deteriorating or like what you'd be like some sort of like incurable cancer. Oh, my Just brother's like, dying. Slap his head on the side of my neck. And see, that's what I, that's where because like, no I guess do that. I think it was like at first you have to have it on a li- another living subject. But eventually I imagine it's another one of those things where it's current technology kind of holds it back. Although Sergio, Sergio, uh, are, you, are you going in the direction of Futurama heads? Essentially, yeah, that you okay. could just, here's a body. Let's put this head on this one. <laughs> and then maybe, yeah, eventually you'll just have Futurama where it's like, dude, you don't even need the body. Yeah. Just, just be the head. Here's head a head in the jar. So that and was disturbing. So that's what I have for, <laughs> for head transplants. Jesus Christ. Humans are monsters. Oh, we're not good. I like it. And I mean, I like the fuck guys 1908 leave <laughs> dogs alone do we not realize dogs like we love them yet yeah what it took us to like the 70s to be like hey that being said dog things are pretty it, cool that being said if we perfected it and someone's like hey you want to have a dog i take a two-headed dog 
if they were like it's gonna oh. live years i'd be like was it half the head of a dog let's say let's yeah let's you have to cut a dog's head off to get that lie lie to me lie to me say the dog needed <laughs> yeah, it it's boring <laughs> this, yeah they're brothers they love each other oh this one's a dachshund and you put it on a lap <laughs> Half of a dachshund body hanging off a lab. Like, <laughs> They're the odd couple of dogs. <laughs> it's just dog dog. It's not cat dog. Um, my favorite stupid technology, because it is stupid, even if it ever works, it's still going to be fucking stupid in my, like, uh, just in my opinion and my mental visuals is the space elevator. Yeah, I've, I'll never understand it. It is very literal. It would be... A gigantic cable going outside of, uh, going up to orbit altitude that would allow us to send up containers that would climb up the cable into space so that we wouldn't have to launch rockets, use fuel, etc. And it's just such a ridiculous thing. Just in just this atmosphere high cable. So you you read the article? I mean, I've read the space elevator article multiple times. You, because it's fascinatingly dumb to me. I'm just so confused. So, because it's a giant cable. Hey, that's how it would work. Yeah, explain. You're anchored. Go on, you're anchored on Earth, and there would be a weight in space. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming going along. I'm assuming the thing, the, the weight in space has to have some, I'm assuming some kind of thrusters or something. But, so the thing is traveling along with the Earth's rotation. So it is, so it's in like, I guess it would be it's geosynchronous not, orbit in the sense that it, yeah. it's above the same place at all times yes. or else this thing would, it's a, it has to be above very, be, yeah, very useful. Otherwise, it's, just see it zoom by. <laughs> just like, <laughs> the turn of a, any like Earth turning would just like, <laughs> there's like, there's one like this new cable that goes so high you can't even see it, it just comes collapsed. <laughs> There's a new equator going. Wait, so just whips around the earth like a cord. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a new equator, but like elsewhere, but it's like if you ever cross that, make sure you cross it at the right time or else a cable will come and just <laughs> fuck you up. It's anchored at the earth. Oh, it's anchored at anchored the earth. at a point on earth and then there's a counterweight in space. Okay. Okay. So is the counterweight, counterweight's just in orbit. Yes. Above the same point. So it's in geos, it had to be geosynchronous Geos, orbit. Geostationary orbit. Geostationary, okay. Or, Rega- okay, regardless, it's always Okay, the same so place. I guess yeah. it's supposed to be held up there by centrifugal force. Yeah, which okay. Which is stronger at the upper end. And it would be held, and so that's why the tension would be super tight. Okay. Right. Anyway, um, also, I feel like, I, I don't know the force like would it just like would it, like yank up the thing attached to Earth into space or so would, if, like if yeah if the thing like, ever broke off it would have to be like where a would perf- it go weight <laughs> yeah <laughs> broke off just <laughs> would it just rock it up in the air <laughs> someone accidentally this cut the so cord stupid. dude it's like so dumb and I get like why you would think of it like but. It also, like, the first time someone thought of this, even though this is, like, the only example of one of these technologies making it to anyone's Yeah, this is the only one you ever really is, hear about. This is from, like, 1890s, which is, like, most it thing in the 1890s or, like, 
what it's like said in the way of like an elevator to space or like oh the quickest way to get there yeah or like oh our fire trucks will have propellers and they'll be on a dirigible and like this it, every time i think of space elevator it just makes me think of like the south park episode where they build a tower to, to heaven, heaven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the same type of idealism that i imagine there yeah it's absolutely absurd but so so we don't have any material that could possibly do this so the cable yeah. it would just be so that we can have some sort of like connection point to send cargo up there yes how would it get up there it's called a climber yeah, so, would you, <laughs> so it would be just um, be like a it'd be like a, like a slow pulling be like up a slow thing. pulling up thing yeah how long would it i mean i guess fuck, it, i, I guess know, if man. we have the space elevator built at that point, it's like, well, shit, who cares how long it takes? It's going to get up there. So. I, yeah, or we'll be at like a point where we have like a tiny machine that can go up very quickly. An interesting theory would be a gravitational field tied to the, I guess, the elevator and the upward centrifugal force. So that an object attached to the cable cable would technically be experiencing the upward force Shut the fuck of up. the cable. So it's going to be, hey, how can we solve this problem from this imaginary technology? Oh, we'll just use another imaginary technology. <laughs> yeah, right. That kind of sounds like what's going on. That's the on ultimate. That, we'll cross that bridge. We'll cross that we, stream when we, when we get, get to, to it. it. Yeah, yeah. But that's like, it's it's also just called apparent gravitational field is the category, where it's just like maybe this would happen. So you just attach this thing to a cable. It just sh- again, it just shoots up. It's like because the, what's the it doing? The cable would be experiencing this how, <laughs> gravitational pull outwards. How is it shooting up? Oh no, it's falling up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Okay. Oh, oh, it's saying. I think I think I'm things wrong. So it's when you're. The more I read into this, I guess the intro paragraph just says that like things would go up. But the more I'm reading it, I, oh, thanks, I'm Wikipedia. assuming, <laughs> yeah, thanks Wikipedia. On the cable below geostationary orbit, downward gravity would be greater, so the apparent gravity would pull objects attached to the cable down. So maybe it's like I think it's talking here about there's like some point at geostationary orbit where it just like where it flips. flips? So it'd have to reach like that midway Once point. Once you get to that, it'd have to get to that midway point on its own, and then it would like shoot up the rest of the way. I yeah. Yeah, because if it's on the cable and it is being the cable spun or essentially spun around, it'd be like how a weight will go to Yeah, yeah. No, you know what? This makes sense now. That makes sense. The but you still have to climb up pull, to the middle. I guess it is way easier than getting a rocket. It all the I way up know. there. This is just ridiculous. So there's there's you no there's no was, materials. You know what? I was I was very anti space elevator. I'm, I'm still now 100 pro space elevator. And it's pretty. Uh, I will be running for governor on the space elevator party. <laughs> We're building it in Burbank. Ooh, let's see, space elevator climbers. Let's see what kind of there's a a wide range of designs. Ooh wee. Um, a lot of them kind of look like 
just like little spinny things that would just like use force to spin themselves up and that's like one concept design here um ribbons that would use pairs of rollers to hold the well yeah pairs of rollers as a regular elevator does Mm, yeah powering climbers yes and the counterweight so there's a lot of aspects of this that are bullshit um this space elevator in these pictures is like there's no material that can even make this so far above the earth oh yeah well because i guess it's just to be like here's an example they make it go to like what would be like the freaking moon but like realistically if one of these was made it'd go like a little bit it'd go into like low orbit i'm assuming you're not gonna like go to the moon but um there's not even a material that can make this because like the downward force on that part of the cable that's below geostationary orbit there's no material that can like support its own weight oh okay just like stay like that um, well, I think it's. I think they're trying to look for like carbon nanotubes yeah, or graphene or whatever. But that shit doesn't exist. Well, I would say that's an emerging technology. I'm not going to. It talk, is an emerging. I'm not technology. about to talk I'm about not, it because I don't want to talk about just construction materials. <laughs> uh, that being said, I do like uh, in the counterweight section. They're talking about uh, several solutions to act as a counterweight. So they mentioned like you know space dock or spaceport position past geostationary orbit. Uh, also, they could use a heavy captured asteroid. Not one of the oh. light asteroids, Ooh, though. Speaking <laughs> of, speaking of captured asteroids, for like two seconds, I saw one on the list that I clicked on a little bit um, for asteroid mining. That NASA currently has a plan to capture and redirect an asteroid, which seems like the craziest, uh, the craziest. Uh, what do you call it? Like robbing a bank, like a oh heist, yeah, heist, like the craziest heist of all time. Capturing an asteroid. <laughs> we gotta sneak up on it, get it while it's sleeping. But that also seems like something that they could fuck up and like accidentally launch to the Earth or something. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, That's anyway, gonna be how we die. Do you have another longer one? I have a yeah, a slightly or I don't. It's it's my it's the shortest of the three that okay. I have. But all right, so this is. Going back to like Star Wars, uh, I guess military technology is the antimatter weapon. It's the exact opposite the of a matter weapon. Uh, so as the name suggests, <laughs> this involves using antimatter as the primary ingredient of a weapon, whether it's acting as the power source, propellant, or the main explosive. Uh, what using antimatter has over traditional weapons or bombs is that it's just a hell of a lot more efficient and effective. So while the most efficient fusion weapons, which are just like our, you know, your typical thermonuclear weapons, <laughs> this was, so there's a lot of terms here and a lot of math I might have messed up, terms I don't 100% understand. Uh, but so the most efficient fusion weapon we have will release 7 to 10% of its total mass energy equivalent, which comes from like the uh, relativity equation of E equals mc squared, energy equals mass times speed of light squared. Um, so it will release seven to ten percent of its total mass energy equivalent as like destructive energy. The antimatter weapon, when the matter uh, is annihilated, antimatter is annihilated by matter because when the two meet up, they just mm, release all right. their energy. It releases a hundred percent of its energy. 
And so what this means in layman's terms is that one gram of antimatter reacting with one gram of matter in the annihilation results in the release of energy equivalent to 42.96 kilotons of TNT. Jesus Christ. So that's 85,920,000 pounds of TNT in one gram, which is three times the bomb dropped on Hiroshima. And that all comes from one gram of antimatter reacting with one gram of matter. So no one's got much use for this there gun. No one has this. Well, luckily, <laughs> the main reason we don't have terrorists or supervillains such as Dr. Hall up from the gray matter uh, holding the world hostage with antimatter is that it's so goddamn expensive. Uh, is there a, technically antimatter? They can Do make it. Do technically have it? <clears throat> it, was a, it was one of the more confusing Wikipedia articles I've ever read. I believe they can actually make tiny 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 amounts of it but as of 2004 the cost of producing one millionth of a gram of antimatter was estimated as 60 billion dollars and so according to my math that's roughly 85 the equivalent of 85 pounds of tnt so still nothing you want to fuck with but it's, <laughs> it's not on the same level as three Hiroshima bombs, which right. I either fat man or little boy, whatever they were called. Little boy. Little boy. Um, the article boy goes on to state that what's way more economically feasible are smaller one-off assassination weapons. Uh, for example, theoretically, a, quote, positron hand grenade, which already sounds like ridiculously <laughs> badass. <laughs> that sounds like some overwatch. Uh, is 10 trillionths of a gram of antimatter and could be fitted into a sniper. And I think it said it was like worth some number of grams of TNT. So still, it's going to come it's, up with a gonna hell of an explosion. It's going to explode? Yeah, okay. essentially. But it could be, and it could be fit into a sniper's bullet for $600,000. So that's one bullet. So this is like so one bullet is rounds from video games. Yeah, but $600,000. And it's I guess it's an yeah. explosive round in that it explodes super well. Um. But it seems weird that it's like you're like, oh, well, this is a one-off assassination weapon. But you're spending that much on top of whatever it actually costs to run a black ops assassination mission. Maybe that's a little bit extreme. Maybe just bomb the place like, then. If you can get a sniper in position with a fucking antimatter bullet, <laughs> it seems like a regular bullet, which costs, once again, doing my math here, I think it's less than $600,000 would maybe work as well. I don't think a warlord in Somalia that you get your like Green Beret team in range of needs to have his head destroyed by <laughs> fucking antimatter. You don't uh, know. He's done some shit. Again, we have like I was as I was writing this up, I realized, you know what, this is emerging technology we're talking about. So by the time this is feasible and like by the time it's needed, we'll probably be fighting like a robot uprising or the gr utility fog will have become but sentient. They'll be, they'll be way better at forming this stuff than we are. Yeah, but no, but their leader is going to be made of like some unobtainium type shit that only antimatter oh, can bust yeah. through. So, mm. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. Right. But maybe this will be useful when we're trying to have fight like an Ultron at one body. point. Exactly. And it'll be like, this is humanity's <laughs> last hope is this one antimatter bullet. Don't fuck it up. And then it goes on to state, it's like, well, that's also, we'd also have to find a way to, like, contain it until it's actually needs to be used because it reacts with literally any type of matter, including air. So, I don't think we'll be seeing yeah. antimatter How do weapons. they make it 
and keep it in anywhere because they do they have to because how does it get made it would have to be made with things and things are matter um and then where would you like keep the antimatter if you made it like you so can't keep it in a thing of matter it's the only way there's the f- no, only known physics reactions for producing antimatter involve using particle accelerators um and it's at, so the global production rate is global uh, production rate 1 to 10 nanograms <laughs> you know depending on how efficient they're feeling um they actually go over it in the book Angels and Demons, the Dan Brown book. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the first creation of antiprotons was in 1955, and production rates have increased like nearly geometrically into the mid 1980s. Air is they are they are suspended into um, a magnetic field inside okay. of a vacuum. <laughs> And because it touches anything, yeah, and it annihilates, yeah. Um, it's the antimatter equation, yeah, um, or um, anti life equation, anti life right. equation. Yeah. DC reverted, yeah. So yeah. it's and it goes, it real the most of this article, once again, going just of how cost prohibitive it is. It just goes into talking about how fucking hard it is to make this stuff. And it's like, you hear like, oh, it's only one gram. It's like one gram in this, in terms of this, is a lot to make. Um, and it'll destroy a city. For example, even if we were to possibly, even if it were possible to convert energy directly into particle, antiparticle pairs without any loss, a large scale power plant generating 200, or sorry, 2000, I believe this is. Uh, megawatts would take 25 hours just to produce one gram of antimatter so that's like the most optimistic possible solution ever but it would take like we said a lot a lot of money so it's just it's extremely cost prohibitive and all this stuff does is like explode (laughs) it really yeah it's (laughs) kind of useless other than big ass explosions at this point like destroying shit which I mean, hey, military, find some use for it. Anyway, although it says uh, just one milligram would be enough to send a probe to Pluto and back oh, in a year. Just thinking of like ways to contain it for propulsion. Yeah, okay. but they don't know. Scientists don't think they that don't, sort of efficiency will ever be achieved in creating it, like in a yeah that sort of, of time space. Like, yeah, launch into space. Also, like they'd have to find a way to contain it but also use it that isn't matter yeah you can't put it in like I don't know. you can't just like open the gas something. tank and toss it in there because if it's an antimatter explosion that's just reacting with matter it's not like oh well like this matter will contain it it's just reacting with matter so we just destroy everything yeah Seems pretty to much be how that works so you can't really like control it like an explosion in a rocket that is combustion downwards anyway um all right we are a little bit over an hour so call it okay yeah i think uh you know i think it's time for us to uh annihilate this podcast (laughs) and end it there (laughs) next time we do this topic you know i'll probably go into a everything left was like really 
end we'll, of the world we'll revisit, gray goo molecular assemblers and i think we can re- revisit this in six to eight years once we yeah. have our uh physics phds uh and we understand these things a little bit better yeah Instead of kind of just well trying to teach ourselves all this information. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like looking at this technology and seeing like, is this ever going to be used? One. And two, how much, how close is this getting us to being a thing from Star Wars? And that's what I really want to know. That's how I pretty much look at every technology. Pretty much how much I've been looking, how I've been looking at all of these is like, or like which one I've been choosing? I'm like plasma window. Either what how close, mean? ooh, either how close to Star Wars or how close to a James Bond uh, spy can I be yeah. from like the 1980s? Where in this case it would be my iPhone is now like the ultimate spy tool. <laughs> Maybe next time we do this, we just focus on ones that are gonna go rogue and destroy the world. Because those are most of the ones we didn't talk about. <laughs> All right, well, that was that was some fun. Yeah. Good to learn about the future. I hope you agree. I, Learning is fun. I think it's always a blast. I hope you, listener, you think it, you thought it was a blast to learn something new, bring it up in your physics class, and your professor can be like, those, why are you listening to those two? They're idiots. And if somebody ever says, hey, uh, what's your favorite ship in Star Wars? Mine's uh, Count Dooku's thingy. You'd be like, hey, it's not a thingy. It's, like it just, it sounds like it just it's a fucking solar sail. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, bye. Once in a day, hey, I smoke a milli, never quitting, even if it's hitting harder than Patrick Willie. Really, I don't get silly, see dumb in the dictionary.